Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hi, my name is Danny Keller. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of African Gold Group, TSXV listed company. We have operations in Mali. Our flagship Kabada project is a 100,000 ounce uh, gold operation. Uh, we've recently completed a definitive feasibility study to outline very robust project economics. Uh, we have massive exploration upside that we've been busy with, uh, which we'll talk about, I guess. And, and we are in the process of updating our new feasibility study to include additional exploration holes. We're very excited about the project. We believe it is a very good standalone project and we're very happy to talk to you today about, about that in more detail. Fantastic. You sound like you've done that before. Nice intro. How are you, Danny? Yeah, great, Matthew. Good to see you. Yeah, I haven't seen you since, I think, November, beginning of November. Um, I thought we'd have a quick catch up because you've put out a bunch of press releases, been a bit of drilling, uh, studies are coming out. Um, the question I want to ask you is, have you cleaned up the Forbes Manhattan situation since we last spoke? Yeah. So, so I think from November, we, we mentioned we were busy with that. Um, that was all cleaned up on 31st of March. That was the, the sort of final termination of all consulting agreements, office agreements, services agreements. Um, we also used it as an opportunity to clean up some legacy stuff on the balance sheet. So we've emerged on the 1st of April as a, as a completely independent um, uh, company operating out of different offices, absolutely no debts, absolutely no encumbrances, and absolutely no NSRs or royalties. So I think we've we've done what we said we were going to do. Um, it was done in a in an amicable way, so certainly no um, no confrontational way. And I think that we've emerged out of this at a much stronger position to move forward with this project. Okay, first of April. I hope you're not joking. Um, that's that's a, why I said thirty first of March. <laughs> that's a good dad joke right there. Um, okay, well, but let's just talk about the Forbes Manhattan thing because this thing there, there is a kind of legacy issue. It's not just your company, but anything that they have touched, it seems it causes a problem or consternation or like nervousness in the marketplace. So um, they, they still have shares, though, right? So how much of an overhang are we talking about? Yeah, they, they, they're a shareholder, like many of our other shareholders. Um, they get treated like any other shareholders, so they're more than welcome to dial into webinars. Um, but other than that, the day-to-day -day operational stuff, which they would have had sight of pre-March 31, they obviously don't have that anymore. Um, they've remained fairly passive. They didn't participate in more recent private placements. So I think um, all of this has sort of culminated them being a fairly passive shareholder. Um, we, we're not even sure what, what they have and haven't sold. Um, yeah, look, I, I guess, you know, for coming from my background, which is a very strong corporate governance background and and moving into building and developing assets, um, I, I saw a need to move away from this sort of um, fairly um, constrained model that some of these junior mining companies have um, where, where effectively you're overloading the corporate overhead costs, um, you, you're really not interested in taking this thing into production it's just to create short-term value and we, we made a decision um, with a number of institutional shareholders putting some pressure on us as well to to move to the next step i, I see now a, a very clean governance structure um, an independent board and, and and no overhang from from that side obviously these things take a little bit of time to unwind and the message to get out there in the market um, and we've been doing a lot of, of communication in that front, but I think that we are now 
um, in, in a great position, certainly to, to talk to others about corporate transactions, potentially, and also to, to institutions to start raising money to put this thing into production. Okay, so presumably they've got all the cheap stock and they're not underwater. So it's a question of they'll stay with you if you think they think that you can do a job there. And I, the reason I'm going to talk about this because it's important. It's important because you're sitting at 25 million market cap, right? And given what we're about to talk about, that there's a bit of a disconnect, right? So I'll say it for you. You're undervalued. I'll say it for you. Um, but it's important because if that. If people don't believe that that has that those that issue with force management has been has hasn't gone away, if they think it hasn't gone away, that you haven't dealt with it properly, that even if they're not underwater, they're, they're going to come back in and just drop this at the wrong point, just out of spite because you haven't got a good relationship. No one's going to want to get get into this thing. So, in terms of that relationship, the way those negotiations negotiations did take place, is it genuinely amicable? Yeah, it's genuinely amicable. Um, Stan and myself have continue to have a, a relationship. Um, you know, the mining industry is very small. Um, I've never burnt bridges anywhere through my 30-year mining career. I, I had no intention of doing that with Falls of Manhattan. So we sat down and we worked it out in terms of making sure that we, we paid our dues, um, which we had to do, um, and make sure that they remain a responsible shareholder in the business. So I, I would, you know, I have no reason to believe that they would act any differently to any of our other shareholders that we, we speak to on a regular basis. Um, and I, I certainly don't think there would be anything around um, dumping stock or any sort of spiteful retaliation there. So, you know, as 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 we, we've moved through this, this, this sort of private placement equity um, uh, uh, raises, they have become much, much more diluted than they obviously were when they got into the stock five years ago. Um, to the extent that they are nowhere near being the largest shareholder now. Um, in fact, pretty much down with, with the majority of the institutional guys. So, you know, worst case scenario, if, if something happened where they, they, they wanted to move a lot of stock, I don't think it would have a major impact on the price. Um, but, but I don't think that would happen. I think that they would like to see this also increase in value and, and for them to make some money out of it in the future. Would you organise something if they did want to swap that? Yeah, so we've obviously spoken to to, to, to some of the institutions, um, and, and there's always appetite for for sort of picking this up on the secondary market if possible. Um, I, I think there's enough demand in the stock that that, that that any sort of reasonably large blocks would get snapped up by some of our other institutional guys. It has happened, um, but generally we try to speak to most of our institutional shareholders on a regular basis and at the moment we're seeing continued support from them so hopefully that will continue um, we have to keep delivering and um, obviously when we start talking about future raises in, in terms of the main capital then we would be going back to them and, 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 and asking for them to participate in that as well. So fundraising and military coups don't go hand in hand typically so what's happening in Mali? Yeah, Mali's been interesting. Um, I, I guess, you know, we, we probably spoke about the coup last time. We didn't expect there to be another one. Um, so that, that has been a, a, a bit challenging. But, you know, the, the thing is, is that um, we've maintained um, a, a very good relationship with, with the incoming government. Um, I think what we've seen there is a, is a much more settled interim government that's been put in place now. And there's much more representation from the opposition. Um, the, the new cabinet was announced about 10 days ago. There's been no adverse reaction to that. 
Um, there's also been no adverse reaction to any of the majors producing in the country as well, which is positive. We've seen absolutely no disruption to our ongoing operations on site. Obviously, any dealings with government, if anybody changes out, um, that takes a little bit of time to, to get back in there. But for example, the mines minister is, 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 was re-elected as the same mines minister. So we, we've seen no disruptions to how we go about doing business. Um, and and you know we, we, we've seen that this government has committed to continue to dialogue and and free and fair elections will happen in March, as as per the the previous agreement. So I think it's uh, I think it's a case of of we will work with the government. We we believe that the the the, the elections will happen in March. They'll be free and fair, and we'll move on for another four years with with the new government. So I'm I'm confident. Um, we we certainly um, are not are not concerned, as I think most of our peers are are, are not either. Um, it's 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 okay. It happens. It, it does happen. It does happen uh, not infrequently. Um, I mean, I expect the mining um, companies to just play it down because it's not good for business to talk about it. But I, but honestly, I haven't actually seen much news of it. It seems to have been quite a benign transition. It seems. When, what, what, I mean, yeah, what, when you when we're using the word coup, what are we what are we talking about? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's the, the good old uh, the newspaper jargon. I, I mean, we the situation evolved that a, a there was starting to become a little bit of rumblings from the opposition who didn't feel that they were being included in the transitional government. Um, the, the, the previous um, military leaders decided to take action. Um, very, very quickly, um, the situation was resolved. Um, you know, when people talk coup, they think weeks and, and, and blood and things like that. None of that happened. In fact, none of the shops or banks even closed in the, in the capital. And I think it was just a means to, to, to put a more representative government forward. One of the things that I really like about Mali is, is that the, the, the government listened to the people. So, so we were starting to get a, a little bit of unrest. There was a, a few strikes um, prior to this happening. And since then, it's all gone back to business as usual. So, yeah, I, I, I guess coup is a strong word for effectively something that is a transitional government that is exactly that. It, it's transitional until free and fair elections happen in March. And certainly in the last 10 days, everything settled down and we've had very good engagement with government. Um, we're in the process of just renewing our environmental permit. So we're dealing with the ministries on a daily basis and, and, and it's business as usual for us. So I, I, I guess we're in the same boat as everybody else there. We, we don't see anything on the ground. Um, it's normal business as usual in Bamako and on site, no one would know anything has happened. Okay. Should we talk about mining? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> You've raised, you did raise some money in uh, February, about 4.6 million um, bucks um, to kind of keep things going. We've seen the press releases with some, you know, very high grade numbers in there. And, you know, not well, I haven't seen a, a lot, a lot, a lot of detail. But what, what are you starting to? Let's talk about what are the use of proceeds for that money? Why, why did you raise that amount of money? Yeah, so it was twofold. The one was obviously that we, we knew that we would have to extricate ourselves out of the Fulton Manhattan Agreement. So that, that, that involved terminating a number of consulting agreements. Um, we thought that that was absolutely necessary to make sure that we could clean that up as quick as possible. So we did. Um, the balance, we, we always put aside for updating our technical report. So we... You know, we've done a, a reasonable amount of drilling. Um, 
doesn't really help just to update your resource without actually throwing it through a, a study to see what comes out the other end. Um, so we, we've spent the last, I guess, six weeks putting together um, all of that information to deliver an updated definitive study. So it will be to a very high independent level again, um, which we'll deliver in, in hopefully end of August. And that will hopefully show increased reserves, increased mine life and much better economic fundamentals. So everything is really focused on that at the moment. And that's really where most of the funds have gone. Um, that being said, we've also, in culminating all of these agreements that we had with FNM, we've managed to cut our corporate overhead costs down by about $80,000 a month, believe it or not. Um, so we, we really have become quite lean and mean um, in terms of our structure. And that's allowed us to, to, to really burn cash at a very slow rate. So apart from the fact that we're obviously spending a lot to get this feasibility study up and done, we're, we're still very comfortable in our cash flow through probably to the end of the year or even into next year. And, and that just gives us this comfort that, you know, we, we, we're not rushing out again to market, looking to dilute any equity holders. We're really just trying to, to deliver on a very good technical report that hopefully will then be the catalyst for building this thing um, or, or going out to the market to raise money to build it. Okay, NPV5 about just over 280 million bucks, 45% IRR, market cap 25. That's gonna be tough. Yeah, and, and I guess that, that that's that's our biggest hurdle, isn't it? I mean, we we have this, this, this sort of uh, um, juggling ball scenario where you clearly can't go out to the equity holders and raise equity. The debt guys are saying, well, you know, have you got a cornerstone equity guy in yet? So we, we're sort of juggling that. But, you know, it's not unusual, I guess. Um, I suppose we could tick off two or three examples in the last 18 months of companies that have been in our position and all of a sudden they're, they're, they're revalued, they've, they've got their debt, debt and equity package in place and they're, and they're ready to start construction. So, I, you know, I'm very confident still. Um, we're having some very good discussions. Um, you know, there's another thing as well that says you might be able to go out there and find the debt, but if the cost of capital is too high, then the equity guys are going to get upset. So, you know, we're having these discussions, fruitful discussions, actually. Um, quite a few guys in the data room have been for, for quite a while. Um, we've had technical calls again all this week with with, with parties that um, that are interested in, in, in various guises. So, you know, I, my, my whole thinking here is, is that this will still be a transformational year for us. You, you will see a very different African gold group before the end of this year. But let's listen to what's on the options available. And, it's, and it's, I hope you don't mind if we spend a bit of time on this one because sure. it's important. You're kind of on the back foot because you're trying to uh, show strength and, and certainty over the the DFS and in the, the obviously you're doing another FS as well. But um, with that kind of delta between your valuation today and the money, the capex that you're going to need to 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 raise for this thing, you're going to have to get creative, and creative usually means expensive. So, what are the different options on the table? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a number, and and you know, sometimes I get into trouble here because it, it appears that we're sort of hedging all our bets. But for me, um, there's obviously let's go and build this thing as quickly as possible. That clearly is 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 going to be challenging in the current environment. Um, you know, it's Mali, it's a single asset. We're low market or undervalued for our market, you know, for what we should be. Um, we are seeing challenges with finding the right cost of capital to put that together. Um, 
However, you know, I think what you're going to see in this next study is, is again, increased resources reserves, which shows that we do have this massive upside potential here. Um, there's, a, there's a magic number in this game, which you know is about a million ounces of reserves. Clearly, we would love to hurdle that. Um, that suddenly brings into play quite a few more interested parties that have basically said, we think you've got a great project, but you're too small. Um, I think that Orzone and some of the other guys like Robex have proven that grade is, is not an issue. So we can argue that, that grade story till the cows come home, but we believe that we can still produce gold at $780 an ounce. Um, so, you know, I think that the, the, the real options that we have are some sort of corporate transaction, whatever that may be. You know, it could be a merge. Um, it could be a, a secondary listing to tap into, I, I guess, a wider range of, of, of institutional investors. It could be a sale, um, which clearly for me is, is not the best option right now because you're only going to get a premium on your value and we believe we're very undervalued. Um, or it could be somebody that comes in and, and helps us put a package together to, to build this thing. So, um, or, or sorry, and the fourth thing is, is we, we continue to, 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 to grow the, the size of the asset in terms of resource and reserves um, and, and start getting up to the, you know, one and a half, two million ounce type reserve number. And then, you know, critical mass will, will start to, to, to get, get interest in some of the, some of the bigger guys. So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult question to answer because there are so many options. And I've always used the philosophy that as much as I'd love to build this thing tomorrow, um, we're not going to be irresponsible to our shareholders. We're not going to destroy value. Um, and we should always be open to, to engagement with anybody that comes along and says, you know, what about this? What about that? It, but it's an interesting one. If you, if you look at the rock skulls of this world, I mean, obviously their average grades were sort of around eight um, when, when, they, when they kicked off there with a very small resource. But they, got, they wanted to get into production to produce the cash, to be able to allow them to explore, to make acquisitions. And they, they, they did that. And there are others that I can mention as well, honorably. You've... You, that is one of your options, but the, you're saying that the overwhelming advice to you or request to you seems to be just increase the resource, just drill for the resource. It's easy. You don't need to raise much money, get a bit, a bit more certainty about what you've got, get over that million ounce. And quite frankly, I think you're going to have to get over the million and a half ounce because there's a lot of companies at that million ounce level. So a lot of competitions, certainly in Africa. It, what's your preference? Uh. Let me, my preference is, is 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 whatever is in the best interest of the company. Um, the the easy Which way is? out is to keep drilling. <laughs> no, it, it, every drill hole that you put in that delivers another ounce of gold adds value to a to an asset. There's no doubt about that. The the, the resource in the ground is fundamentally the the value that that's sitting there. Um, the 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 beauty of this project is that um, you know we've spent a lot of time doing test work on the sulfides, which is a substantially huge resource below our oxides. Um, typically, sulfides have never been looked at before. Those results are phenomenal. Um, we can treat the sulfides through the same process as the oxides. Um, they give us 94% recovery. They're, they're free milling. There's no refractory in there. So all of a sudden, we've opened up this sort of untapped sulfide resource that we don't even know about. So, you know, when when is when do you decide to to move from an explorer to a, to a construction or a production operation? For me, we're, we're ready now. And if somebody comes along with with the right package to help us get to, to production, we know that we will produce substantial free cash, as you say, that will which will continue to develop this asset into the future. If we 
feel that the the the, the the sort of package that we can put together is is going to be value destroying for the for the shareholders. Then then as you say, it's it's a lot cheaper just to keep the drills turning and adding ounces to the to, to the bottom line. And the beauty is is that we've only really drilled about another six and a half thousand ounces, and we're very confident that that would even see a fairly sizable uptick in resource reserves in the next update. So, you know, I think that you know with a, with an asset with huge upside. Drilling is never going to do you any harm unless all of a sudden there's an expectation, and we've seen that in a couple of companies as well, where there's an expectation that your resource is going to be much bigger than it finally comes out as. There's the risk. But if you if you have a very targeted methodology to exploration, which is you drill where you're pretty sure there's gold, and you continue to update those ounces, then then people are not averse to putting money in the ground. But then you can also go the other way and drill it for the next. 15 years and get a 6 million ounce resource and, and people turn around and say, well, are you ever going to build this thing? So we've always got this catch 22. I worked on the philosophy when I joined the company, let's package a project that is a standalone great project. And that's what we've done. Um, we've, we're clearly going to make that a better project coming up with the updated definitive study that we're doing now. But at some stage, we need to take this thing and, and build it and, and start to give something back. And, and that's that's why we're still very actively pursuing the option to, to build. Um, but it's got to be at the right cost of capital uh, to make sure that everybody's happy with it. Yeah, it is. But you also seem to be right now, as you are now, an attractive um, asset for someone else who's already producing where money's going to be cheaper, you're adding resources to them, that you're giving them jurisdictional um, de-risking or, you know, um, you know, multiple assets that you know to play with. So it's going to be worth a lot more to them. Isn't there's a stage where you're going to have to make a decision about whether you're going to be able to time the market right, whether you are going to be able to raise the money in a way which doesn't harm shareholders, dilute shareholders. Surely that's a much more sensible conversation to be had. Look, we've had we've had a number of approaches for sale. I mean, but we don't have a for sale sign up. But you can imagine that the, the M and A West African activity has remained very robust even through the sort of COVID period. So um, we we're an interesting phenomenon. We're permitted, we're ready to go, but we're still a little bit small. So you can sort of take out some of the mid tiers. But you know the sort of um, the bigger the bigger minnows and the smaller minnows are still fighting around in the in that part of the pond, and we've certainly had a lot of interesting approaches. and I, And I think that we've we've adopted the philosophy that we will entertain every approach seriously. We will certainly um, view every opportunity seriously, and to that extent, we have a special committee set up made up of our independent directors. We've appointed an independent legal counsel, and now we've just appointed an independent legal advisor. Uh, sorry, a, a financial advisor, so that we 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 review every single one of these options to make sure that decisions that are made have have gone through a very rigorous process. And who's to say? I mean, if if um, if the right offer comes along, and and that's either a, a cornerstone equity investment in us, or or even an outright sale, then we would have to look at that seriously. I mean, we're not we're not putting anything off the table that year. Um, but I, you know, for me, um, what would I prefer? Obviously, I'd prefer to build it. Uh, I would prefer to to potentially merge with somebody that sees an opportunity to take it forward. But obviously, with a, a lot more critical mass than we have now, and, and maybe a, a wider shareholder base. And perhaps even a different um, uh, jurisdiction in terms of um, a, a listing. 
and, and that just opens up a lot more opportunities. So I, I think there are options out there and we're not discounting anything. And I'm not blindly going along thinking that one day I'm going to single-handedly raise the money to build this thing. I, I think we have to be responsible and we have to make sure that we look at every single option as it comes on the table. It's not like Glencore, is it? Never have to worry about these things. <laughs> yeah, look, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a very interesting nearly two years now. Um, I've learned a lot. Um, I've had to put my best smile on much more often than I did in, in my corporate days. But you know what? I said that the good news about it is that building mines doesn't change whether you're working for a large diversified corporate or a small junior miner. Once you've raised the money, the, the, the delivery of that project is equally important in both cases. So I'm, I'm confident that we've got the jigsaw puzzle pieces to be able to build and bring this thing into production at the lowest cost. Clearly, the bit that we don't have right yet is is the funding package to do that, and and that's what we're actively going out to look for. You're not the first Glencore CEO, ex Glencore CEO, to come on here and say I've had I've had to learn quickly. Um, could, there's a different set of problems. I mean, in all seriousness, it's a different set of challenges. Like money being a big one of you spend more time talking about getting money than actually doing the thing that you're good at, which is building mines, right? Um, so, so yeah, just just wanted to um, say that. But why so passive? We've talked about being a, a target. There's going to be, I think you indicated, there's going to be M&A in the space for the juniors. You know, the, the, the gold is not flying to the moon. It's going to be a bumpy ride as, as, it, as it goes along its journey. Are you looking at other targets which may have cash flows, which you may be able to help release value on, which may allow you to raise money to build this project. I mean, do you, have you looked about it, you know, flipped it on its head? Yeah, all the time. I mean, we, as actively as anybody's looking at us, we're also out there fishing. I think that um, there's a there's a significant number of, of assets out there that are either slightly earlier stage than us, maybe the similar stage, and some are even in production, and we look at every single one. And we have a little small due diligence team, mainly made up of, of me, and uh, a couple of others and 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 we actively go out there and we have a look and you know i, I guess it's not to say that even at our current market cap we we, we can't be a we can't be an acquirer or something else as well um you know as, as long as it as long as it adds value and and effectively one plus one equals three so you see the the, the potential for this thing to really get out of this little rut that we're in right now. And, and we've seen it happen many, many times in this space. Um, we, we will be as actively looking as as anybody else coming fishing for us. Okay, fine. Um, I just want to sort of leave with it, well, try and understand a little bit about what you see in the asset. I, we, we, we get the updates to the studies, great. And there is going to be expiration. And you've put out some high grade numbers, but you know, on average, they're not the sort of headline numbers that you're putting out, which are lovely. The average sort of number that, you, that you're seeing in the DFS is what? In terms of grade. Grade, grade yeah. Yeah, so, so the resource grade is about 0.86. And we'll feed just under one gram a ton through the plant for the first number of years to get that 100,000 ounces. Right, okay. So you've got this high-grade veining going through it, but the average grade is, okay, 0.8. Okay, fantastic. Okay, so you you've got to, you, you, you know what you've got to do. You've got lots of options on the table. You've just got to hone in and work out where you're going and how you're getting there. And that's going to be market dependent. So gold's had a funny old ride this year. Um, come off, come back again, come off again. What's, what's your outlook look like? What do you think, something? Yeah, look, I mean, the, the, the whole world is an uncertainty, isn't it? So I think everybody's literally hanging around waiting for the next 
news release coming out of the Fed or, or, or COVID or something like that. So there are almost knee-jerk reactions to things. And we saw that in the market yesterday. It was crazy. I mean, you know, you've got, you've got diversified majors that are getting hammered because there's a, a little bit of news out, out from the Fed where in the past it wouldn't have made a difference. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of nervousness. Um, but, but the way I look at this is maybe a little bit more straightforward. Uh, you know, we we did the definitive feasibility study last year at 1530 gold. That was your 284 million MPV. If you ran that at 1760 gold, the number was more like 460 million. So, you know, if I, if I put spot through that model today, you're talking 400 plus million MPV. If I look at long-term forecasts for gold, you can look at whatever consensus you like, and clearly you can skew it positive, negative, but it's still... 1600 1650 plus um if i run that through the old model that's running at probably 360 million mpv and then you've got the update now so for, for me the way i always look at these things is be conservative on what you deliver to the market i mean clearly every every single institution runs their own models on these things anyway but be conservative what you deliver so you're never defending the downside but make sure that your project is robust on the downside so when we show our sensitivities, we show gold at 1300 and this project is still a winner. So I mean, it's still a 150 million plus MPV and, and, and 25% IRR, which in most um, investment communities would still tick the box of being a good investment. So again, make sure that when you, when you put this stuff together, you're not sort of using the maximum of everything because then you'll only be disappointed on the downside rather have a sensitivity that shows you what the negative side of the gold price could be and the positive side of the gold price can be. And as long as you're sitting very strongly in between those two numbers, I think I think it's a great project or, and, and that's where we see the value. Okay. Shareholders are quite keen for you to get motoring. Do you think there's anything significant going to happen this year or is it just sit and wait? No, no, I, I've never sat and waited. I, you know, If I wanted to sit and wait, I'd, I'd go and do a different job. I, I think for me... We have to do something this year. Um, you know, I'm a shareholder, and I'm getting frustrated in the fact that we just we need to take the next step. Um, I think that you will see um, something on the corporate side this year. Um, clearly, these things take a little bit of time to to, to put together, but I, I really think that we I see this as a transformational year for us. And when I say on the corporate side, it could be any of the, the ones that we've discussed. Um, I think you're going to see a better project in terms of economics. Uh, resource ounces, reserve ounces, which will obviously just you know add a little bit more fuel to that. Um, but ultimately, I would like to see something fairly significant happening between now and the end of the year. Okay, Danny, nice to see you. Good catch up. Um, stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. Okay, I will do. Thanks, Matthew. Good to chat again. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.